Welcome to Translating Infinity. They are communicating. Have we forgotten how to listen? You gotta take this higher! And it was about a week and a half of this just full-on raging. Um, and I was raging at those beings. I was so angry at them. Why are you doing this to me? What is the point of all of this? I can't fit in this world. You make me a weirdo. And the more you come and visit and you give me these things, the further I get away from fitting in. So at the end of this raging, I woke up, walked to get my coffee. I felt a peace. And I heard, this is great. This is good. Are you ready now? And out shot of my, my mouth, yes, I'm ready. I didn't even think. I just responded to it. Yeah, let's, let's do it. No, you know, no, no rational thought, you know, no cognating going on here. Just, yes. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Translating Infinity Podcast. I am your host, Eileen Meyer. What you just heard was a clip from my April 2019 keynote presentation in Pueblo, Colorado. It was for the Southern Colorado Conference on Conscious Living and Dying. And the audio from that talk left off right before the insertion point in time when my consciousness and entire orientation to reality drastically changed again on Halloween, October 31st, 1998. So this is a big topic. There was a lot that happened gradually over my lifetime to prepare me for it. Someone or something was helping me evolve step by step, phase by phase. And in many ways, it's not possible to fully convey what you need to know about it in this format, or any format for that matter. It must be directly experienced for humans to meet each other in the unspoken, resonant knowing space of what it is. I have been sharing digital content about this for years, the evolution of contact with non-human intelligence, and how it wove into bioenergetic transformations that in our history have been named Kundalini, or Koyopa in the Mayan Ki'iche language. And I'm aware that there are other names for it in other cultures. I have been driven from this gradual attunement to a greater sense of self, to share this data in many ways, both in person and online. It has been the predominant theme of my entire life. This podcast is perhaps just one more way that I might reach you, one more way that I might drop these seeds or maps into the collective in case it is ever helpful. If it's not, that's fine too. I am not attached to any outcomes with this in any way. My senses tell me that this will be the last visible digital format that I will produce on my own in this existing world. One of the key things I learned from doing this might not be what you think. I found that in actually speaking my truth out loud, speaking my journey of reconnection with the unified field was that there is an insidious programming in place to suppress the actual connection to this bioenergetic force. It is a force, and at this time dormant for most, that resides within each and every one of us. And it is our avoidance or inattentiveness to this that keeps humanity trapped and looping inside a false matrix reality. I feel like a new kind of scientist that explores both the inner and outer world and how it works once this reorientation takes place or begins to take place. 
But I also feel like I'm completely on my own in this field of study. I do not actively research existing data in the world, but through synchronicity, I am pointed from time to time to others like me who have sung the same resonant song throughout history and into now. Those who have shared about their inner discoveries, whether it was carved in stone ages ago, or through the writings of mystical poets, hermetic philosophers, and prophets from millennia ago, or whether I heard this same song coming from some courageous human who also followed this resonant wisdom within and allowed the light to radiate through them into this now reality. It is truly something to celebrate when you find another human that lives in the world with you, a world that we were once convinced we were completely and utterly alone in. When we meet, it is an explosion of joy and exponential growth. Each of us is a key that unlocks more from each other. I hope to expand on this in future episodes. Another thing I learned when I spoke my truth was the true or deeper meaning of the statement, judge not lest ye be judged. Now, I am not an organized religion person, but I do know the song or frequency of the divine and how it informs me directly. It is telling us that when we arrogantly think, emphasis on think, that we know anything from inside this house of mirrors, then these statements in and of themselves send out the sound of our commitment to defend the reality that produced that false statement to begin with. Instead of the direct resounding truth that we are all designed to access within. Even Einstein tried to tell us with his famous quote, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. When we become as little children, speaking truth with honesty and innocence, we break the spell and we generate a resonance that sings with the unified field. We begin to unlock and restore the rest of our available multidimensional awareness and remain in form if we choose. This is the consistent messaging that I have received and translated through the energy or presence. This divine currency of Koyopa is trapped under many layers of lies. In order to transcend the lies, in order to transcend this false matrix that builds upon these foundational lies, we must understand the difference between regurgitating narratives and speaking our actual truth. One is a mental experience that we have been entrained to believe is truth. I was informed that as long as we have unconscious trauma, we are highly manipulatable. The other is a bioenergetic experience of resonance. Once the body feels this, it begins to remember and reharmonize to the homeostatic or natural state. You won't need to guess or wonder if you are experiencing the latter. But with mental interpretations, you will forever be guessing and researching other guessing individuals' interpretations. They call these opinions. And this is precisely how humanity is easily manipulated into staying inside the boundary lines of this construct. People call it conspiracy theories when we speak of this mind control. And one of their main arguments about it is, how could this dark controlling force manage all of these intricate storylines, persons, places, and things to succeed in fooling humanity? Well, that's the easiest part of all, it turns out. As long as we collectively follow the foundational programming that occludes soul, the right hemisphere of the brain, the heart, etc., your remaining limited spectrum thinking will fill in the blanks with the variety of rhetoric you are given. 
Because what else is there? We have to choose something, right? The egoic mind is extremely uncomfortable with not having an answer, otherwise known as the unknown. It needs to feel in control and in charge. So the external world, with all of its programming, says, here are your choices, be it religion, politics, science, culture, etc. Pick one so you don't have to feel this discomfort. Many human beings never once in all of their years of living consider that there is something more than what is offered in this limited buffet of 3D. While there are lots of seemingly scrumptious or satisfying choices here, and of course not everyone gets an equal chance at all of those choices, there is still something missing. It's your divinity. It's love. It's the divine feminine. It's soul. It is the invisible or the spaces that lie in between all that you think you know. And so many have been conditioned or taught that rational people know that what I speak of is just new age touchy-feely stuff. Believe me, when all of those who've dismissed this natural phenomenon as a snarky reference to love and light, I want to be front and center when this ignites in their form. This is when you find out the felt distance between egoic thought, what we think we know, and the universal creative force. This burning, purifying force may well be what some in the ancient scripts refer to as hell. Through the bioenergetic changes in my consciousness, it became clear to me that humanity is disconnected from this natural state and connection to this universal creative force. And yes, it has been explained or defined as kundalini to the intellect, but these explanations will never help us to fully understand it. It must be experienced. It is the reintroduction of the foundational source love back into our body-mind-spirit awareness, not the dark code programming of the lower spectrum definitions of God and love, but rather the direct felt cellular experience of love in our physicality. It is this same force of light that unlocks the dormant codes in our original design. Yeah, that kingdom of heaven within stuff that restores the eyes that see and the ears that hear, so that we don't have to wonder about all the sneaky bad guys lurking in the shadows. We see and know the truth with a capital T. Yeah, that truth that sets us free. Not the dramatized secret truth that is given to you via the feeds both produced and distributed inside the spectrum where the problem was created in the first place. Remember, Einstein, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them? We are trapped inside a construct that is simply out of phase with the original source field or natural grid and we are pummeled with false matrix-generated data to keep us afraid, distracted, and looping within it. And it works really well. But that doesn't have to be the end of our story. For example, those who are fighting the man or the cabal or the deep state in the external reality are left completely unaware that they are actually the captured ones. By redirecting their attention away from what is actual, what they have within that is the doorway to their actual freedom, they are locked into the programming or smaller spectrum versions that will keep them underneath the vibrational tones of actual freedom. It's a game. It appeals to the ego and one's sense of purpose and power in the existing world. Round and round humanity goes until one is brought to their knees with an actual connection to this universal power. It's called love. But even that word has been programmed with the dark codes of love doesn't exist, that is woo, that's new age, laugh at it, reject it now, stay in the game, take your authority in the smaller context. It's too risky to go beyond the bounds of your status and authority here. 
Agree with the secret info coming from the secret clubs. Otherwise, you will appear weak and lose everything you have worked for. In this false world, it is of the utmost importance that you not only save face or save your interface with the construct, but to fully commit to the battle between good and evil inside the virtual game, pulling you away from your true source of power. And this is a game that you are programmed to lose. The house or construct is programmed to win. However, rediscovering and re-engaging with the divine currency embedded within your very design is how one transcends the cycles of time or phases us back into the original source grid again. She has been named and depicted in many ways in our world, and yet it seems when we name her, she recedes. When we welcome her without expectation, we become her. We are her. She emerges and changes our entire worldview and reality. The most popular term we have for this bioenergetic event, of course, is kundalini. This phase of my contact experiences began in roughly 1996 and continued actively changing me into 2005. Though I have said and continue to say that she will never be complete with me or you for that matter. When this divine force is unleashed within us, it is only the beginning of our journey to reorient to the truth of who we are. If you speak to anyone who has experienced the fullness of this event, I would be surprised if they did not say similar things. The presence continues to expand and inform me. One could say that this series of events is what helped me consciously come back online with the field. Initially, it was the visitors who facilitated it and supported me in adapting to the high vibrational magnitude and power of it. As I practiced the given instructions that seemed to arrive through my unlocking and subsequent downloads, I strengthened my connection to the field. The experiences with the visitors then receded. Other than the occasional healing sessions and dream conversations, I no longer perceive them as others who are visiting me. I know today that this is the natural and organic unfolding of how this inner contact works. We bridge and commune with them as we bridge and commune with our higher self. From my experience, none of this is ultimately about ETs or angels. It's about us paying attention to any kind of visitor, both the light or the dark, that emerge and appear from the depths of the unconscious, whether that be in dreams or in our external reality. But before I get into the meat of this bioenergetic event, I am able to see from my journal entries that the preceding nine years, and that being 1987 to 1996, which I covered some in episode four, I was being gently adapted to these higher frequency energies in my dream states. This time period was quite an active one for lucid dream and out-of-body states, along with teaching dream conversations. Sometimes I was being taught about working with this powerful energy itself. I was learning about healing, sound, and about translation, or what is most often referred to as channeling in this world. Sometimes the energy would overload my body, and I'd wake up out of the nighttime experiences with my back fully arched up off the bed, the energy coursing through my body, and a definite presence of other in my room. I would ask and at times demand that it back off. It always did as I asked. This was key in my evolution, that point where I realized that I was not only in charge of this project Wake the Fuck Up, but that I had had this power to do this all along. You see, the programming we have all endured is heavy, and in some cases, it feels insurmountable. Yet no one is a victim here. 
but there are those who have lost their connection to Source. I'm not talking about the God character we were given through organized religion. I rejected that as a child. I knew in my bones that it only offered bits and pieces of truth. You see, once you come online again, you can see, and so clearly, how people are programmed to reject the soul, the feminine, the mother. Because this is important and is the main point of anything that I share. If she returns within the physiology of the human, we restore our divinity and this entire operation vanishes. It loses power over us. It can only thrive when we deny our mother, the sacred feminine, the soul, the vibrational resonance within. So I'd like to pick up where I left off with that intro clip and set up the next. Little did I know that I was entering into another dark night of the soul in my life. These journeys are so important, so sacred, as they are the depths the ancient tar pits of black goo that we were conditioned to deny or ignore that we must traverse if we are to meet and free the long-lost Divine Mother trapped within. This is where we placed our trauma, our pain. This is where we placed everything through many generations that was not welcome inside this limited false matrix reality. And this is the dig that produces and restores the direct power of the golden treasure held deep within. I'll share the longer clip now of my talk in Pueblo called The Sound of Truth. And I will include a link to the uh, talk itself that is on my YouTube channel uh, below in the show notes. I became a professional vocalist in Southern California. So on the left-hand side of the screen, you're seeing pages from some of my journals, the downloads, the information that was given to me in these interactions. And I would just be immersed in the energy, and I would um, just document it the best I could when I came out of it. On the right-hand side, I was a frickin' cool rocker chick, okay? I was cool. The only time in my life that I was cool. I'm an introvert, but I wanted to sing so badly that I was willing to break through that terror. Um, this was the last uh, seven-piece original rock band we were doing magnificently. And uh, the split grew so far apart, as you might imagine, between the left and the right here, that um, I couldn't go on. I was being called to reconcile this gap. And how that appeared was through severe depression. I can't do this anymore in the outer world. And nobody wants me the way I am naturally. Nobody wants to hear about it. So that great divide occurred. Severe depression. I was ready to commit suicide. And it was the closest I ever came. There were a few times in my life where I couldn't bear it anymore. I couldn't bear having to be both, having to live two different lives. An outer world persona, keep everybody happy, you know, don't, you know, don't rock the boat in any way. And for God's sake, don't be yourself. So instead of killing myself, I raged and screamed to the sky. And it was about a week and a half of this just full-on raging. Um, and I was raging at those beings. I was so angry at them. Why are you doing this to me? What is the point of all of this? 
I can't fit in this world. You make me a weirdo. And the more you come and visit and you give me these things, the further I get away from fitting in. So at the end of this raging, I woke up, walked to get my coffee. I felt a peace. And I heard, this is great. This is good. Are you ready now? And out shot of my, my mouth, yes, I'm ready. I didn't even think. I just responded to it. Yeah, let's, let's do it. You know, no, no rational thought. You know, no cognating going on here. Just, yes. So I was guided, I'm going to skip over a lot of this, but I was guided through a meditation, just like vocal coaching, but how to make yourself neutral and how to access, um, how to just be neutral. That was the first stage. And that took a little while. Same time, same place, they said, every day. Same time, same place. And I committed to that, and I did it. And that's, that's everything to this source field, to God, the angels, that if we just do what we commit to doing, amazing things can move and happen. So I did this until kundalini occurred, a full kundalini awakening. Now I went a few weeks previous from I want to die to oneness again, full body, oneness with the universe. Now, this wasn't pleasant. It took me a while to break through some blocks and some fears as this powerful uh, energy, they call it in Kundalini, that um, latent female energy coiled at the bottom of the spine, the goddess energy that is, that is represented by the veiled part in the beginning. Remember my map? Well, she's dormant at the base of the spine until she feels welcome here. And if she feels welcome and we're ready to see the truth and be the truth in the world, kablooey, she will awaken. And she will change your consciousness. That's what happened to me. So it doesn't matter what you call it. Um, it's a full experience of, of that awakening goddess within. In this particular talk, I did not expand on what the actual kundalini experience felt like because I was speaking on the evolution of the sound of truth over the course of my lifetime. In my book, I cover this bioenergetic event in more detail, and I'm really glad that I followed this strong inner guidance to document or journal my life because this force continued to change me, continues to change me. The details of that time don't really matter much to me anymore. The phenomena itself, this is an ever-evolving process that I do my best to stay in tune with. So I'd like to read an excerpt from my book, Coyopa Contact Within, The Plumed Serpent Rises, to give you a flavor of what this full-body transformational event was like. The date was October 31st, 1998. I had become more proficient in resting within the nothingness. The previous day, I had purchased the bags of sugar bombs that I knew many kids would be requesting on this All Hallows' Eve. I staged the assortment of candy in a large bowl by the front door. In another universe, this would have been amusing. Despite my active engagement with unseen cosmic frequencies, I continued to be the programmed automaton acting out the hallmark prescribed social customs of the day. On this morning, however, as I sat in my same time, same place, laboratory, something happened. I had quickly emptied any thought and almost immediately felt the growing, enveloping vibration that delivered a long-awaited message. Bring your attention to the womb, your womb. Rest here and feel the pregnant possibilities. 
I followed through with the guidance and felt a cavernous, echoey feeling inside. Soon, something clicked and began to open or blossom within my body and consciousness. It slowly filled me up. Initially, it was a few, then it grew into thousands of buzzing bees. I lost touch with any shred of a thinking mind, as it simply evaporated into no time, or way too fast time. Without warning, this loud vibration shoved me further inward, into the center of the hive. I was completely one with the primal, resonant feelings of an ancient future movement in my body and being. It flashed, and it thundered, pounding me into the center of myself and straight into the genesis of what felt like a cosmic source hurricane of sound. But this full-body concert didn't culminate just yet. It kept rising in frequency and power to the point that I at once imploded and exploded simultaneously. Pure cosmic sound burst through my lungs and out my mouth, bellowing the sounds of galaxies and stars. I was feeling and giving voice to far more than my tiny human self. If someone had been passing by my window that day, I'm sure they would have heard the last utterance and breath of life from the lungs and belly of a dying 3D human. It continued coursing through my body with its mysterious, fiery resolve until I was finally released. Somehow, I understood and accepted the quiet, unexplained nothingness. I came to inside the hum of a mother's lullaby. The nurturing was divine. I had no sense of time, but eventually I was able to stand up and move slowly. There was an undertone of vibration, a few bees still hanging close to the hive. I recall walking about with a hypersensitivity and awareness of carpet under my feet. Even the air seemed to be aware, passing through the suggestion of skin, muscle, and bone. I simply observed it. Perhaps I watered a plant, but mostly I sat and stared into space with little to no thought. It was all feeling. Eventually, a few thoughts returned. I wondered whether I'd lost my mind or, at the very least, whether I'd been properly reassembled after the beehive exploded. Later that afternoon, I sensed a nudge of an invitation to return to my laboratory, my little experiment with fully trusting a communicating energy that felt like the source of all. Forgetting all about the impending kids and candy holiday of persistent interruption, forgetting the outer world completely, I sat back down in my office chair and began to tearfully speak out loud to it. I am feeling no words to match this. I don't want to go crazy. I'm not afraid, really. Confused. I'm drifting. I know this, this energy, but I don't understand this. Return to the womb, it said quite clearly. So I did, just the way I had been guided. I easily felt my way back to the frequency of what they referred to as the womb. The vibrations began increasing again almost immediately. It filled me with an indescribable love. My body rocked back and forth in ecstasy for what felt like an eternity. There was no advance warning or feeling indicator for what occurred next. A brilliant gold-white light flashed and pierced the room. I recall the extreme stinging sensation behind my tightly shut eyes and the center of my forehead. It seemed I would certainly be blinded. All I could do was weep. This had nothing to do with feeling afraid or crying out in self-pity. It was something that was too beautiful to contain. It became so large that I fell out of my chair and onto my knees. I continued to weep until it let up enough for me to find a thought. And with that thought, I cried out, Oh God, oh God, oh God, dear God, my heart, please help. This must be death. An endless stream of my guttural responses to infinity transitioned into silence. Finally, after a slight shift in composure by returning upright in the chair, I found my words. 
What do I name this love? I need to know. Please. I said it with a tone and resolve I had not previously known within my being. There was no hesitation as it responded with a decisive force. Pictures rapidly burst into my mind's eye, just like when I was a child in the sandbox. Except this time, there was far more light, far more acceleration, and far more pressure in the center of my head. The light incinerated my eyes as the pictures and movie clips rushed by so rapidly that I could not make out any single frame. Then it abruptly stopped. It zoomed in on the face of an exquisitely beautiful young man standing before me, and it stopped again. I gasped and cried out from the sheer intensity as well as the deep pain and recognition of this presence. I knew it well. This exquisite heart before me had rushed in with the force of a thousand waterfalls of firelight, with a single intention to blend with my own little embers. I cried out again as if it were my final breath. Please, please, what do I name you? This love, this presence, I feel you, I know you, I love you. And I began weeping. No words. There was a very long pause. I composed myself and naturally rocked to and fro with the energies. Soon, in its own perfect rhythm within our co-created song, I heard, felt the response very clearly. Beloved. He boomed and radiated into my consciousness and every cell of my physicality. I am here. With this, I wept even more. I again lost my capacity to think, process, and find a suitable stopping place in which to file the experience or the presence. I was aware that there was a distinct choice. If I resisted the oncoming force of these searing currents of light, I would have succumbed to an indescribable fiery pain. If I continued to surrender, it would be terrifying, but I knew that I would survive. It truly is the strangest dichotomy, simultaneously experiencing total ecstasy and total terror of the unknown. This is how I know to this day when I am being stretched into more, when love is too much, as if it will annihilate you. The beloved presence was here, inside and out. It did not communicate through the interpreted world. I refer to a poem by Rilke that I'd come across many years later and would have never understood before this event. This presence communicated through the soul, through the resonant language of a vibrational field. It clearly resounded from within every organ, every hair, and every molecule of my body. It informed me that I needed to know and accept how beautiful I am, how beautiful every human is, everyone. He continued with his ecstatic cellular singing, informing me that even though it seemed so, I and no one else had ever actually been alone at any point in this life. I didn't think it possible, but with this I wept even more. It felt as if even my guts would shake loose and willingly pour out as an offering to the altar of overwhelming love. Then the doorbell rang. There was still a faraway part of me that remembered it was Halloween, but there was absolutely nothing I could do. I became completely absorbed in the frequency and fell into the nothingness. Later, I awoke in the dark on the living room couch. I worked it out later that I must have been there for at least a day and a half. I couldn't move. I felt weak as I drifted in and out of consciousness. At one point, I opened my eyes and realized that I was still on the couch. A few mundane thoughts passed through me, like the tones of a nearby cricket, oblivious to my event and still gently riding the in and out of my breath. Thoughts occasionally surfaced within my local consciousness. Do I need to go to the bathroom? Drink water? Do I call someone? Who would I call? How can I explain this to another human being? Am I dying? 
I'm pretty sure I'm dying, and that's okay, really. I'm good with that. On what felt like the third day, I opened my eyes and felt somewhat stronger. Sitting up, I realized that there was someone who might be able to help me define this. Even though I felt weak, I very carefully made my way to the kitchen and found the phone. David would know. I called David, a Ph.D. psychologist and my personal therapist, who was also one of the teachers at my healing school. I didn't have to explain much. He seemed to know more than what I could articulate, and this not only seemed deserving of his attention, but he also created a sacred space in which to listen and advise. No need to explain further. Continue to rest, he said. Get yourself some water and rest. Know that this is truly a gift. We'll talk soon. Do you know why I share these things with you? Because this isn't about me, it's about you. And what is within you? It's been the challenge of my life to tell you about you. This isn't about money or commerce for me. In fact, I spent what little retirement money I had to create and live in the world while adapting to this way of being. I live very humbly relying mostly on the graciousness of friends. I devote whatever bits of income I receive to continue recording, writing, and singing this evolving story into the world. I do it because I love you, and I want you to feel and remember the love of your original creator, too. That's it. No agenda. So I'll leave you with this last piece from the book. After I started moving around again following the big event, well, the music came. The ecstatic poetry. I did record three albums of this music with my retirement funds. And one day, perhaps, I'll compile my poetry in a book, too. I walked back into the living room, wondering whether I should just lie down again. My eyes rested on a dusty stringed zither instrument that I had on my shelf. I think a fan had given it to me at a show, but since it wasn't tuned and I didn't know how to play it anyway, it had become a decoration on the bookshelf. On top of the speaker next to the shelf was a dust rag, probably abandoned at a point when my attention had been diverted to something far more interesting than housework. I picked up the rag. How could I have let things get so dusty? I bumped the instrument clumsily, and four or five notes loudly rang out into the room. The sound struck me to my core, and I froze. The notes resonated deeply and decisively within my body, and they did not fade as the strings stopped vibrating. In fact, the notes continued to move and resound within my hollowed-out body. They clearly had an agenda of their own. I backed up from the bookshelf and held tightly onto the edge of the couch. The pressure continued to rise and showed no signs of stopping until I understood that action was required. Instinct moved me toward my electric piano. Yet another decorative piece... I dusted it off and began a process of locating my memory banks to recall how the keyboard worked. My brain was different. Everything was different. An analogy to help explain the sensory experience of finding and reactivating the old thought files again might be something like being blindfolded with earplugs, taken to a remote and unfamiliar location, released, and then told, that I was free to find my way back home. My mind was confused because a linear memory of my transport to these new landscapes wasn't available and there were no breadcrumbs in sight. Therefore, there was no logical retracing of steps to get back. But did I want to go back? Or was the impulse just a rat-in-the-maze habit to return to the familiar? I surrendered again. I've always been one to admit when I had lost my way. I allowed my body, 
to lead me through this free-form, open-ended dance. It was not unlike the experiences I'd had in the past of waking up and speaking or singing foreign words while my hands danced in perfect tune with the energy. Instead of following the usual commands from the usual part of my brain, energy moved and responded to my feeling awareness in seamless and graceful ways. I could see and understand more in each new moment. It felt as if I was being given an opportunity to engage and practice using a once cordoned off part of my being. It was like learning a new form of communication in a total immersion interdimensional language course. It seemed that while I was sleeping, I had slipped into a vast sea, the forbidden watery parts of my consciousness. It was thrilling, but at the same time I sensed that I'd broken the law, almost like the Matrix police would be arriving soon to arrest me, punish me, and send me back to the designated left brain box. I finally got the old keyboard powered up and selected a piano sound that I could temporarily live with. There wasn't the time or attention to focus on the mechanics of tools and buttons. I sat down, took a deep breath, and sort of turned the faucet on. It was an invitation to the collection of notes that were still whirling inside and all around my dining meditative music room, lovingly held in a sort of soft pink-colored sphere. I could feel that the sound wanted to move through my humming throat, down my arms and onto the keys. As soon as I found and played the sequence of chords by ear, the tones refilled my heart and then my hands moved to the next progression of chords. After only slight hesitation, as if waiting for their cue, out danced the lyrics, like a string of ballerinas who were poised and proud to contribute to the song. Soon my feeling efforts coalesced into a very long and beautiful song, aptly named Beloved. It was only then after about an hour and a clear sense of completion, that I noticed the magnetic pressure cooker insistence to move and create had stopped. The first five notes of the song are an exact match to the notes that rang out from the stringed instrument on the shelf. The rest of the song arrived in a timeless blur. will be listed in the show notes below. My website, how to contact me, and other bits and pieces that I have scattered across the internet. The mother speaks through me sometimes, always in surprising and unexpected ways. I woke up with this May 15th, 2021, and literally rolled out of my bed to my computer and typed it out. The prayer she offers is a good one. 
I do hope it is helpful to you in these times. Now is the time to rediscover, to uncover the inner love that always was, that always is, and shall eternally be. This inner voice still lives, even though we were told it was evil and the opposite of this. They said that our magic and our extra senses were a possession by demons and pathological fantasy. This was the beginning of distrust, as our attention, our connection, shifted away from us. It was the beginning of consensus, as we listened only to what we were told, believing in what is false, rather than what we know. We suffered a terrible loss, and our shame has buried this horrific pain. But it is not too late if we reach inside and pray. First Father, First Mother, I am here. I choose love. I choose the truth. I see now that this is what has always been and ever shall be, and is far greater than what I once believed. So hear me now. I am willing to release the lie and every misunderstanding. I am finding my original voice and in all of my innocence, I proclaim what I know to be true. In all honesty, I am this love. And I am one with you. Guide me to my natural state. I am here to heal the shame and to demonstrate in presence, in dialogue, we clear the way. Even though I walked through the darkness, through the valley of death, it is your light that guides and restores and shows me that I am arriving in form. Because here, in the manger of my soul, First Father, First Mother, remarry, and I am wholly reborn. Remember, you are loved. You are love. And there's a really important purpose for you being here now. Welcome home. <laughs>